Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Shopify presents cool sheets from aha to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am L. Jay LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, doing good. Last day in Chicago. We'll be back in the land known as Syracuse tomorrow. Um, very nice weekend. Very, of course, very nice to spend time with the family. But First full weekend of baseball almost in the books. We're recording this 7.04 Eastern time. Uh, about to watch the Yankees-Red Sox Sunday night game. First Sunday night baseball of the year. And LJ, overall, uh, it was a very solid first weekend of the season. Yes, this has been a very fun weekend. Um, either later this episode just, just, just popped in my head. We definitely have to go over our takeaways from the weekend, but that will probably end up getting pushed off until Monday's show. But Brandon, where do we want to open this up? Do we want to open this up with a little NL Central action here? 
Sure. Uh, I'll let you take take the lead on this one. Yeah, let's start with the Reds. We've got two major stories coming out of the Cincinnati Reds camp as they have a uh, really, really solid opening weekend. I don't think anyone could necessarily complain with the success they've had. Let's start, of course, with the big one. You heard about him on yesterday's show. If you haven't gone back and listened to it, please do. We talked to Charlie Goldsmith about the Reds and particularly one of their top prospects, Hunter Green, who got the start today here on Sunday. He goes five innings, allowing three earned runs and striking out seven batters in his first career major league game. He ends up winning out over the Braves as Ian Anderson has is another one of the victims of very rough starts to the season, two and two thirds, three hits, five earned runs with five walks. Yeah, the five walks number pretty much is indicative of what we were expecting to see from some of these guys at this point in the year. But this is a very, very strong start for this young young man. Certainly a confidence booster when you're able to come out and get, if this was a stat, it should be a stat, a good start. To be able to go out and get a good start right at the beginning of the season, right in your first career start, it's going to keep your head still in thinking, I'm good, I'm really good, I'm legit, no one can touch me. Whereas a lot of these guys, if they struggle, if they don't get they make it three innings and then they start getting roughed up a bit and their manager pulls them a lot of times it'll be like, Oh wow, this league is a lot bigger, a lot scarier than I thought. So to be able to have a good successful line, a line that any of us would be happy with, that's an absolute win. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, huge weekend for the reds. Not only do they get a split in four games against the Braves, which, you know, in Atlanta, not- in Atlanta, yeah, you know, for opening weekend after you win the World Series is definitely not where you want to be playing. Um, but it's, you know, Hunter Green, LJ, really impressed with him. I was able to watch a little of the game. Command looked really sharp. He does allow the two home runs, but that was only four. He only allowed four hits on the day. So, you know, home runs, it's usually just a mistake pitch, something that, you know, you wish you could have back, but I like to see that he wasn't really getting hit around much. Seven strikeouts, and the big takeaway, how about the Reds letting him go over 90 pitches? I thought that that showed that they have a lot of confidence in this guy, uh, especially in a game like this where you have the chance to get a split in the opening weekend. Uh, It shows me that the Reds really do think that this guy is the real deal that's why he's on the roster that's why he's starting this fourth game of your opening weekend series so really big for him and um you know Ian Anderson it's a it was a rough start uh for whatever reason we saw Saturday the offenses could not hit anything and today on Sunday it was just slugfest around the league yeah, well, again, too, it's just a matter of being able to find your spots early in the season is something. And I think the bigger thing than the pitch count for Hunter Green, in my opinion, is how many times he went through the order. I don't have the official math. I didn't look through the play-by-play for this. He faced 21 my math, batters. My math alone, 21 batters. Thank you. Yeah, exactly my point. That's well over half. That's going through the heart of the order three times. That takes a lot of trust for organizations this day and age to take a guy even consider taking a guy one batter past twice through the order 
and they took him quite a few. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, I, I love that the Reds have so much uh, confidence in this guy. And sure, you know, he's not going to go out there and get you the win every single time he pitches, but certainly a very promising start for this young man. And uh, hopefully he, he can keep it up. Uh, you know, Charlie no. Goldsmith told us that this Reds team is one that, you know, there there's a lot of different directions that this team could uh, go in this year so why not start off your season with a nice uh series in atlanta and they did exactly that let's talk about one of the veterans on this team joey Votto. joey Votto was mic'd up the other night brandon have you caught any of these wonderful masterpieces of clips i have not but Based on the content that we've been getting out of his TikTok and Instagram, uh, I'm sure that this is that this will be fantastic. Shout out to his like kicking TikTok did today. Very much appreciate those transitions. But he is on, of course, mic'd up opening night, and they're talking to him. They're getting to him, and I didn't realize how funny he was until recently. He just gets going with them about you know his midlife crisis at his age and how he feels like he needs something to be hip and cool. And basically, I guess the conversation wraps around to, oh, maybe I'll go ahead and get one of my teeth replaced with a diamond tooth. And so he's trying to talk the play-by-play and the color guy into doing a whole golden, uh, not, not golden tooth, but like a golden tooth of diamond, a diamond tooth. And then finally they start talking him into and get him to ask Ozzy Albies what he thinks about him getting a diamond tooth as he's at first base at that point in time. It's just, these are the interactions that we live for with mic'd up in baseball, the reactions that you don't get with mic'd up in any other sport. And I'm here for it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, first of all, we need to mic players up more. Uh, it just, you know, who doesn't want to hear players mic'd up? The NFL does the best job at that. Every week, there's, LJ, is it wrong to say hundreds of players are mic'd up around the league in the NFL? Yeah, the only issue is that it's not the same connection that you can have with the guys as you can in baseball. Exactly. I mean, they're running around too much to be able to talk to you like a first baseman can or a center fielder can as he's waiting for something to happen once a week, once an inning. And so, uh, yeah, that's a very, uh, it's a very different dynamic, which is why you need to lean in more to it. The reason, only logical reason I could find that there's a difference between it all is because, you know, money, like these regional networks aren't going to want to afford the mics, the ear set, the technology to be able to relay back and forth between the booth and the player. And so that hinders your ability to do this, to really the Fox games and the ESPN games, you know? Yeah, and it's a great point, especially because, you know, all these guys, you are taking the game so serious. You're so locked in. You know, how many players would really want to have a mic and be talking to the commentators? I'm sure there certainly is some, but there is, I'm sure, a big group of players. first baseman, let me start there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Honestly, it's amazing how many of them are just, well, that's really why you're there, right? is because you're a chatterbox and that's the only place that like you're going to be able to be productive on the field. I mean, that's what we ended up finding with uh, Hanley in Boston was he was getting bored in left field was more of a thing. Like his defensive output slightly increased 
when he moved from the outfield to first base and he was chatting everybody up. I mean, I think of when I think of good mic'd up people, I think of three places now, Joey Votto, well, I'll get back to in a second, Anthony Rizzo, and I think of Michael Chavis as well. Even to this day in Pittsburgh, you're still getting, you're getting MLB TikToks of a Pittsburgh Pirates player purely because he tells funny enough stories while he's at first base mic'd up during spring training. Like that's not something you're going to get from a lot of other guys at a lot of other positions, but Joey Votto, am I wrong for not realizing how freaking funny this guy is? I mean, we, we've known that he's had quite the personality in the past, but I think it goes to show, LJ, that um, we don't really have a close connection to baseball players like we do basketball players or football players. You know, players that are always being talked about in the media, we have such an image of them when you talk about them. A lot of guys in, in the MLB... I don't want to say that there's not personalities, but they're not showcased enough. I I I want to see more funny clips. The guys like your Adrian Beltres. You know, when I think of Adrian Beltre, he's one of the funniest players to to you know to ever step foot on a, on a baseball field. Every night you were going to get something out of him that was some some great content. And I'm sure there's a lot of guys that are like that, but we're just not exposed uh, to to that. Well, let's move on to another topic that slightly talks into or discusses the NL Central here, and that's the amount of fisticuffs that we've almost gotten this weekend. Brandon, these teams are raring to go. We've gotten, I believe we're now at two or three benches clearing. We had two benches clearing incidents this weekend. The first was Friday night. Um um no yes 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 the mets and the nationals um so francisco lindor takes a pitch up and in gets hit on the c flap of his helmet by steve ciszek bench is clear because the night prior pete alonzo got hit up near um the head i think he got hit on the shoulder um you know, the, the, the bench is clear. They eject the Nationals pitcher, which, I mean, okay. Like, I get it, but it, it clearly wasn't intentional. Um, yeah, lots of potential fisticuffs. And then we had Brewers-Cubs. Was it Andrew McCutcheon got hit by a pitch? Yes. And the bullpens kind of trickled out. Uh, LJ, you know, all the players were united for so long during the off season to try to get this lockout ended. And it's great to see that there is still animosity there. Yeah. To react a little bit on the whole Mets nationals thing, because I think that's the more interesting scenario here. That was, there was some scary stuff going on there. Enough, enough became enough. I understand you're trying to get a grip on the ball. You're trying to, figure things out and get adjusted for the spring. But when I, I would be frustrated too, if I was a manager and I'm sitting there watching my team get hit time and time again by this other group and get hit in very compromised, potentially dangerous places. Meanwhile, those aren't happening nearly at the same rate across the rest of the league. I, even if I understand that's not intentional, I have the right to be pissed. I have the right to go make a scene. I have a right to 
go call these guys out because at the bare minimum, that's going to scare them away from pitching inside. Jordan Montgomery just got hit with a 102-mile-an-hour comebacker in the leg and is down right now in serious pain. Uh, please be okay. <laughs> please. The game just started. It's only the top of the first inning. Um, sorry, just had to Yeah, that's a, that. a good point. I wasn't, um, didn't have that tab opened up right now. But, yeah, that doesn't – at least doesn't seem – good from the way that he is uh, wincing through the trainer trainer's work. Um, yeah, certainly hope he's okay long-term. Do we want to talk a little bit here about overall the Yankees, I think have had a um, very much what we expected to see in terms of pitching strategy for the opening section. If I'm correct, they didn't add an extra position player to their lineup. No, they've got three guys on their bench and then just loaded up into that bullpen and they have used – a lot of pitchers for very little work over the last couple uh, games. Yeah, and, you know, I love it, actually. Uh, having a short bench, it makes you actually have to use those guys. If, like, it sounds a little counterintuitive, but last year, the Yankees would never fully empty their bench. They never really wanted to... Uh, you know, make those extra moves like that. But only having three guys on your bench changes your strategy on offense so much. Having the, those few extra pitchers. Um, I believe the first game of the season, the Yankees used eight pitchers. Yesterday on Saturday, they used, um, I, I don't know exactly how many, I think seven. Um, and a few of those guys pitched two days in a row. So we're going to be seeing quite a few. Was seven. Okay, so, you know, I love that, uh, especially because, you know, LJ and I were kind of talking off the air, and while opening day is still really important, I feel like there is some teams, and I think this will segue good into what we want to talk about next, there's some teams that realize that it is only April, and it is a long season, so going all out and trying to win these games may not be the most important thing like obviously the teams are trying to win but the Yankees I love the way that that they're they're going at it because we saw last year had the Yankees won just one more game they host the wild card game and it's it could be a completely different story there um so to go out and manage like this because guess what you figure it out um with the the pitching later on let's just go for the wins now and then we can figure out the depth problems um later on in the season uh I love it Miguel Castro who came over from the Mets has looked really good so far Loizaga's looked pretty good we'll probably see a little bit of JP Sears who finally made the roster and the big standout guy for the Yankees yesterday LJ Ron Marnacchio uh pitched really good made his MLB debut. This guy grew up in the Bronx, uh, went to high school, I think, in Tom's River, New Jersey, which is very close to New York City. Uh, and he looked excellent against the Red Sox yesterday. So overall, I'm very happy. We knew that the Yankees bullpen was a strength heading into the season, and I love how they're how they've utilized it so far. Yeah, Montgomery is back on the mound, so really good to see that. I, again, I like it. I think it's a little bit much right now. Like, I know you're going to be dialing back the amount of guys, and so 
you got it. You're going to change either way at some point. It just feels like this is still too many innings for a bullpen to eat over the time frame that they're going to have this size of a roster. I mean, you've got Garrett Cole going four, four innings, Louis Severino going three. Meanwhile, the majority of guys, I'm not saying everyone's going four. I mean, really, we're talking about maybe five is the average now when it used to be like five and two thirds, six innings, you were expecting guys to go. I just feel like for these guys compared to their counterparts in the depth chart on other teams went a little short in my eyes. I understand you're trying to build these guys up after a short spring training, but they definitely can go farther. And when you end up with bullpen injuries and overworked bullpens, guys seeing too many high leverage situations early in the season, that kills you more often than missing overworking a starter, I think. But either way, the other plus that you didn't mention here, you touched on some of the guys that I would point to, but there are a lot of guys in this group, uh, Ron Maranasio, JP Sears, Clark Schmidt, Michael King. Um, really, there's a bunch of the guys on the back, not the back end, but the bottom tier of this bullpen that wouldn't have gotten a shot otherwise. And it always feels like those are the type of guys that a couple teams have breakout and become very valuable pieces to their bullpen. I think back to Ryan Brazier a couple of years ago for the Red Sox becoming a really solid part of that team for them at the time was really great to see. And it wasn't something expected. So you get an opportunity early in the season to identify some of those guys and get a little more value out of them. I just, I would rather see Cole go five or six. I'd rather see Severino at least try to get through four in my eyes for me to feel really happy with the way that this team's running things either way. Another reaction, another takeaway from the weekend. Luis Severino, as much as, yes, there were, was trouble, he did allow runs, looks good. Oh, yeah. And that really, that really reaffirms one of my thoughts that it's essentially, I think it's a two-horse race for who had the best offseason addition in this division between the Red Sox and the Yankees, between Trevor Story and Luis Severino. Because having Luis Severino, if he can get back to something even close what we were talking about when we were saying oh this guy might be their ace this guy could or should be their ace and then just it wasn't performing like it in the clutch and they had to bring in Garrett Cole right around the time he also got injured if he can come back to a fraction of that something close he's going to be such a value and I don't think there's anyone else that has been added in this league in this division excuse me that compares to the value added from Luis Severino when he's right and Trevor Story when he's right. And the Red Sox just got on the board first. Uh, they take a one to nothing lead uh, in the top of the first. There's still one out. Um, LJ, the one guy that, you know, you were talking about these uh, players at the back end of the bullpen. Let's not forget about Garrett Whitlock, who broke out for the Red Sox last year. That was the first guy. I uh, was was a thinking of when when you brought that up, and I believe we have something on him, right? Did the Red Sox sign him to an extension? Yes, the Red Sox ex- uh, signed him to an extension. I'm trying to pull up the details on that now. Off the top of my head, I believe it was four years, eighteen and a half million for him. But I can check that just a minute. Yes. Either way, it's very good to see them. Yes, four years, eighteen point seven five million. There 
is an option worth 8.25 and then another option worth 10 million after that. So these are really good, really encouraging signs for this team to be, again, paying the guys that are doing you well. Not all of them are going to burn you, Matt Barnes. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's a very welcome site for me to see this team again, backing the guys that are willing to be backed that aren't going to just say, all right, you know what? I want to test free agency. That's their right to say that. But if you can get a guy like Garrett Whitlock on a team friendly deal like this, all the power to you. Exactly. And especially because, you know, you already had so much control over him through arbitration through the 2026 season you throw on those two club options for 2027 and 2028 not only do you get cost control with this but now you have more control over what would be his first two years as a free agent so uh really nice move by the red sox here and i think all these teams that are signing these extensions we saw jp crawford get one for the mariners of course key brian hayes and a few other guys um, you know, it's just a smart move by the team to to do this. You know, why not know that you're going to have this amount of salary devoted to these guys in, in the years coming and that, you know, they could potentially be super underpaid if, you know, if, if a Garrett Whitlock can turn into the guy that you're hoping he can and he certainly has tremendous talent, this could be an absolute bargain for the Red Sox. Absolutely. And if you're Garrett Whitlock, this makes – a ton of sense to do too, because first off, yes, who doesn't love financial security? Who's going to balk at $18 million at any, over any stretch of time. But if you're Garrett Whitlock, this is a team that has put you in no box. They've put you in no box whatsoever. They have no necessarily traditional role for you at this point. Because I mean, the thing about last year, they came in and they're like, okay, we're going to stretch him out. And if he needs to, if we need an emergency starter, that's the guy he's going to be. He then transitioned into, okay, he's going to be our middle reliever that we're going to take two innings. Cause you know, he's going to be able to tank that like it's nothing. And we're going to play him every third day, two innings, no problem. And then all of a sudden, when you have the back end of the bullpen struggling, you move him into more of that closer role going into the playoffs. It was just, it's great to see a guy who is that versatile. And if you're that guy, you love the fact that the team is willing to try you in so many different places, rather than just saying you're a middle reliever. And that's what, that's what you'll be like. You're signing this with the expectation that this team sees the potential in you. As long as I keep playing up to that potential, I'm either going to be a starter for this team, or I'm going to be the closer for this team. That's what I would be thinking if I was in Garrett Whitlock's position. That's why I signed this deal. Well, the Red Sox get two runs in the top of the first inning on three hits. Yankees already got some action in the bullpen. Looked like Clark Schmidt got up. But, you know, LJ, overall, this first weekend, we talked about it on the shows leading up to opening day, but we saw so many different top prospects get called up. And these guys have come through. Bobby Witt on opening day had a huge hit for the Royals. Uh, and just in general, um, is this like the best prospect class we've had to start a season that are that's in the major leagues? Um, if it's not the best prospect class, it is by far the biggest, I will say, because I just pulled up the article that got me thinking about this because um, 
let me see if I can pull it up. I believe it was, yeah, this is the largest group in terms of total number of top 100 prospects at 15, I believe it is. Is that correct? There's 15 of them. That sounds um, about right. <laughs> yeah, there's like 15 of top 100 prospects in here, which of course comes very much into play with the new incentive of getting a compensation pick for bringing these guys up at the beginning of the year. If basically, if it's a top 100 guy on either Baseball America, ESPN.com, or MLB.com, you get the opportunity to get a compensation pick for bringing him up early. And that's just overall, we're seeing it's already great. We've got 15 of these guys up this year. It's the biggest group since 95. And that one was, of course, artificially inflated, not because of rules actually making it fair for the players, but because there was no end to the 94 season. Anyone who was ready to come up in the summer of 94 came up along with all the guys that would have been ready for the spring of 95. Like it was just the circumstances of everything going on with the labor at that point in time kind of forced their hand into, all right, now we've got all of these guys that are ready. Let's just send them all up at once. So this is by far the biggest with some of the most exciting names, exciting performances. And we haven't even seen some of them yet. I mean, Adley Rushman, Riley Green both get hurt. O'Neill Cruz gets sent back down. Tristan Cassius gets sent back down. Um, these are some really good, really talented players that didn't end up making these opening days that we will probably see in the next month, maybe two months out of this group. It's very exciting. But yeah, you mentioned Bobby Witt. You got um, Seth Beer's home run. Joey Bart's home run right after we finished recording, maybe an hour after we finished recording, my other pick for rookie of the year from the NL goes yard for the first time. Um, Pena, I'm blanking on his name. Oh my gosh. Jeremy Pena. Jeremy Pena gets a very cool moment as his parents are getting interviewed while he hits his first home run. It was, um, yeah, this is really just really exciting stuff to see from so many of these guys early on. And it's 15 top 100 prospects plus Wander Franco, who debuted last year, and he's 20 years old, or 21 now, however old he is. Yeah, and again, playing like an absolute stud. What does he go, three for four the first night? I haven't checked to see. And he had a great game today as well. I I was I haven't seen the exact stat line yet. I'm pulling it up because, of course, you know, what fantasy team is it going to be of mine without – Wander Franco on it. Um, but yeah, no, again, it's just, it's, it's huge. And you talk about, especially if uh, Jared Kleenex could get right too. You're talking about another guy who didn't get a lot of love, struggled his first season, but definitely is going to be there. He's batting 429 to start the season, Wander Franco. Uh, he's actually up to 545 after today's game. Oh. He was three for four today. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah. You know, you know, just a hit machine. And the thing too is like, I feel comfortable with the fact that he's going to be a hit machine because we've seen the byproduct of another one of the guys, one of the only guys that they've given an 80 grade hit tool to Vladdy Guerrero and Wander Franco are the only ones in recent memory that have gotten it. And that certainly was a hundred percent there at a very young age for Vladdy. I mean, for Pete's sake, he was vying for the triple crown in his third season. Like, this is just ridiculous stuff that we are 
seeing from these young guys, and it's going to make for a very fun league. A very fun league. With that being said, we haven't seen Julio Rodriguez or Spencer Torkelson really step up to the plate yet. We haven't seen them add that value. Bobby Witt gets the big hit, but also we haven't seen a ton of value out of that guy either. So some of the biggest names of this group haven't really come up and wowed us yet. So there's more to see from that too. Absolutely. And now LJ, I'm not sure how we're doing on time, but there was um, something you wanted to... All right, perfect. Um, We'll spend the last five minutes... You had brought this up to me, um, and I didn't really think much of it, but throughout the show, I had been thinking about it a little. Um, you know, some curious choices by teams for their opening day starters. Would you like to walk us through your your thought process behind this? Yeah, I uh, at first brought this up because um, I was looking at some of the guys that were starting as I was trying to pick my uh, beat the streak for Friday, Friday, Friday or Saturday. It was Saturday, that's right, because most of the teams that I was looking at ended up starting on Friday. And I was like, why on earth wasn't this guy the, the opener? Like, why wasn't this guy an opening day? I know, Brandon, you made the point earlier that it's not all about winning one game and you shouldn't sell out to win one game if you have the opportunity to put your team in a better position by doing something else. Either way, it's a sign of respect. It's a sign of confidence. It's an addition to the mental game of the player to be able to go out on opening day. So to start, to start here, if I'm Kevin Gosman, why am I not the opening day starter for the Toronto Blue Jays? They end up going with Jose Barrios over him, who of course, um, to compare the 2021 season, Kevin Gosman finishes with a 2.81 ERA. Jose Barrios has a 3.52. He, of course, was with the team, which might have made some pull for him. But either way, I just feel like, again, you've got a Cy Young contender here that signs with your team, signs kind of thinking, you know, all right, I'm probably like I'm the ace. Like I'm going somewhere with the mentality of being an ace and then doesn't end up being the day one starter. That's that's a curious choice that it'll be interesting to see if there's any ramifications to that in terms of the hierarchy later on. Well, LJ, especially because Jose Barrios gets one out and then gets pulled. He's only able to get through one out. He faced, let me see if I can see him. He faced seven batters. He walks two of them, ends up with four earned runs. Just a horrific start for him. And the Blue Jays end up coming back and winning that game. But, you know, we can't we can't act like that, you know, that that, that just completely didn't happen because they won Uh and there was a few other guys besides Jose Barrios, right, LJ? Yeah, the next guy I definitely want to or, talk to about yeah. Sonny Gray. You know, you trade for him. You spend good money to bring this guy in. And then you end up bringing in your number six prospects. You call him up instead to deal with this situation. Of course, if we want to compare, yes, 405. ERA for Joe Ryan, the day one starter last season to 419, but this is still a veteran. This is still a guy who in relatively recent seasons was in Cy Young conversations. And it just seems a little weird to not bring, bring that veteran presence up to the forefront, up to that number one spot in the rotation. That, that felt like a more comfortable place for the team, a more successful place to the team, and also a more comfortable spot for Joe Ryan. That's a huge ask to be 
a rookie. You've got 33 days of MLB service time going into this year, and your team puts you out there on opening day. That's a lot to ask. Yeah, he started five games last year for a Twins team that was not contending when he was pitching. Uh, you know, it's it, it's certainly interesting, but um, yeah, you know, I wonder how much analytics really does play into this, how much chemistry or whatever plays into us, but there has to be something that like we don't know or we're not taking into account because it just seems like a huge oversight. Yeah, and while we're on the Twins, can we talk about just again, this is the team stealing. Byron Buxton and Carlos Carrera are just going to keep sending balls to the moon for the rest of the season, even if they're not winning games. Like, that's just going to make this team so much easier to root for, so many more tickets that I would be, I would even be willing to buy for the Twins, even if they were a losing effort. Just these guys are just going to be putting on a show. And don't forget about a Gary Sanchez, who, you know, you bring in, he hits a grand slam today, two for four with five RBIs. Sure, you know, a lot of, at least because I'm a Yankees fan, I'm aware of what what a Gary Sanchez can bring to your team. But, I mean, seeing Josh Donaldson and Isaiah Kiner-Falefa out there, you want to root for the new guys. Who doesn't want to root for the new guy on the team? So, uh, they got quite the culture there that the twins are are uh, building i and i really think that that will help them uh down the stretch all right well that'll about do it for today i think tomorrow a little preview we will definitely talk about the miles straw contract extension that he got from cleveland as well as some little takeaways from opening weekend that we didn't get to so far brandon anything else you want to add no, I think that that's good. Yeah, tomorrow we'll certainly talk about teams that uh, we thought won opening weekend, lost opening weekend. We'll give a recap of the standings and some leaderboards uh, as we're getting into the swing of things now. First full week of games starts tomorrow. LJ, I'm very excited uh, to continue this season, uh, and you know it should be a good one, shaping up to look like another fantastic baseball season. Well, thank you guys for listening. Check us out. Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. TikTok at MLB Daily Pod. And yeah, we will see you tomorrow. Have a good night, everyone. See you manana. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.